Today's episode is proudly brought to you by the Biting Truth Cookbook, packed with delicious, healthy, and practical recipes. Before we begin, we would like to recognize and respect that we are recording from Garingai country. Hello and welcome to the Biting Truth Podcast, where your go-to buddies for all things nutrition. Join us as we navigate the intricate world of nutrition and give you the latest and greatest advice. So grab a seat and let's chat about staying healthy and informed. Hi guys, I'm Alex and with me is my co-host Anna. Hello. And we are the dietitians and founders of The Biting Truth. In today's episode, we are deep diving into the topic of fasting. Now, this topic has been highly requested from some of you guys, and we have briefly touched on fasting before, but we're dedicating an entire episode so we can really deep dive into fasting and also time-restricted eating. So in this episode, we're going to look at what the research actually says about fasting. We're going to look at the different types of fasting, if there are any benefits to it, who it might be suitable for, and who potentially it's not suitable for. But first, as always, Anna, do you have a recipe, a product, a restaurant or a food that you have been loving this week? Yeah, well, it's a little bit random. And I did share this on Instagram recently. So some of you will have seen that. But I've been really loving prunes as a snack. I've never really eaten prunes before. And I like dried fruit. Like I will have, you know, I've had apricots, obviously dates and things. But prunes are very new and I have bought them because of Mia. Um, and I've just been having a handful as a snack and they're actually so delicious and really easy. Obviously they're not high in protein or anything like that. And they are dried fruit. So, you know, I'm not, I try not to go overboard. Have you noticed any changes in your bowels? Well, okay. So here's the thing. So for those who don't know, the reason Alex asked that is that prunes are known to help with constipation or just help getting things moving along the digestive system. And what I have had, um, I've had like kind of like weird cramps in my gut lately. And I was saying to my partner, Ed, recently, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what have I eaten? Like, you know, I hadn't, it definitely wasn't food poisoning, not that sort of pain or discomfort, but just like, yeah, feeling like maybe just a bit uncomfortable down there. And then I thought, what have I introduced into my diet lately? You've been overdoing it on the fruit. So um, I maybe just need to, you know, cut it back a notch. um, And I just include them, you know, every three days or so. Maybe I think I went from not including prunes in my diet to suddenly having like a handful every single day, which is yeah, yeah maybe overdoing it. I've got a, a pretty sensitive gut as it is. But yeah, they're delicious and they count towards your fruit intake. They're providing vitamins, minerals, fiber. I might have to have some after. I haven't had prunes for years. Like I used to have them, like my parents have them, but not something that I buy very often. And some people will like mix them when they're making porridge as yeah, like a natural sweetener or in bliss balls or something. So there's lots of things you can use prunes for as, as they do provide the natural sugars there. Um, and if you're having it as a snack, I'd usually say like three or four prunes. Uh, a few people wrote back to my Instagram story asking that and they said, whoops, I've probably been <laughs> way overdoing it. I would probably prefer to like have a couple of prunes than a couple of dates, which is probably con. Like not mm, what most people would yeah. like. I just find dates like quite sickly sweet. Really Obviously, rich, prunes yeah. are sweet, but they're not but as dates with some peanut butter. Yeah, or I'm yum. not the biggest fan. Like I like them in bliss balls. Yeah, but, yeah. not by itself. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what is your share for us this week? So I was really racking my brain for something to share with you guys, but then I I thought of a good one. So where 
we're sort of back in the swing of things of going to our local farmers market. So we, this is something we've been doing for a while now, but over the kind of summer break, we kind of were away and it's on a Saturday morning. So we weren't always around. So we kind of fell out the habit, but we've been back going for a few weeks now. And yeah, I just love it as a Saturday morning activity. We go as a family. I usually get a coffee. There's always like really yum food. So we might like share something, share some sort of breakfast food, whether it's like a fritter or bacon egg roll or something. And so but, question, do you buy yeah. all your fruit and veggies from the markets or do you still get it from the supermarket no, as we well? we pretty much buy all our fruit and veg. Like we may have to do a top up during the week of like bananas or a couple of things, but we really try and buy most of it. And is it more expensive? Well, originally I wasn't really doing it for the cost because I just was like, you know, supporting locals and, you know, the quality. But I do think it actually ends up being like, you know, I don't know for sure, but um, I mean, you, it's not like you can necessarily get like the imperfect picks or like, you know, the dodgy quality, which can be cheaper from supermarkets. But, but like um, if you're buying avocados and lettuce, it's yeah. pretty much on par with what yes, it costs at yes, the supermarket. Yes, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, and the, and, and, and it just tastes find, better. Yeah. And I just find the quality so good. Like, for example, we often buy like bags of like rocket and like baby spinach or lettuce and they just last for so long. I mean, I love rocket so much. I was actually having this conversation with my friends on the weekend, like who loves rocket? Cause I know you don't. I don't. Like, yeah. I like, taste, if but, I have pizza, I love mm, to have a little bit of rocket yeah, on the okay. top, but like if someone just served me a rocket salad. Blech. Oh, I love it so much. It's like so much more interesting than just having like baby spinach. Like I could eat rocket on its own with a dressing. Anyway, so loving being back at the markets and I, I feel like it really encourages us to obviously buy seasonally and variety because we're like oh we haven't had one of these in a while like get some of those and that's yeah, a lovely so, little family outing yeah, as so well if you've got a farmer's market near you i'd highly recommend you to get amongst it perfect all right well let's jump into the show today chatting all things fasting and maybe we begin simple what actually is fasting yeah so for those of you that aren't familiar with fasting intermittent fasting is essentially an eating pattern that involves abstaining from foods or beverages for a designated amount of time And it's really interesting when it comes to fasting because it's not new. It actually dates back millennia. You know, if we go back hundreds and hundreds of years where food was scarce, fasting was actually a really common occurrence, but it was obviously an involuntary form of fasting. Whereas these days we more have, you know, people fast by choice, whether for health or religious reasons. Yeah, that's so true. It's definitely become more popular, particularly for that health, you know, people trying it for weight loss, which obviously is going to be the main focus of today. Yeah. Um, But I think it's interesting that our ancestors, you know, there's no way they ate three regular meals and two or three snacks a day. Because they just didn't Um, have the option. Exactly. So they definitely sort of fasting may have been, uh, you know, regularly incorporated into the human diet. Yeah. And, And when it comes to religion, it's usually done as a means of like discipline. So they're trying to reduce gluttony and, and doing it to kind of focus focus on the mind. And, you know, that's really interesting. Have um, you ever yeah. done any form of fasting? I haven't. Oh, no, <laughs> I don't think I could. I mean, I've done, I've, I've played with like time restricted and- Which we'll talk know, about today. Yes, yeah. But no, not for like any spiritual reasons or religious reasons. Yeah. I remember yeah. growing up, some people would do like 24 oh, yeah. hour fast to raise money. Yeah. But yeah. yeah I um, unfortunately never did that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of no food for longer than three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Gives uh, me the sweats. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, more recently- But the reason that a lot of you will have heard or come across fasting today is that it's often promoted as a means to lose weight or get healthier. And that's really what we want to deep dive into today to actually see, is this the truth? And should you be looking at doing a fasting diet? So maybe Alex, do you want to run through 
our listeners what the common, well, the mo- there's so many types of fasting yeah, diets, we, really, we but what are the most able- common ones that people would be familiar with? Yeah, so let's start with probably the most common, which is the 16-8 method. And I'm sure lots of our listeners have heard of this. Um, it's also known as the restrictive fasting method, and it essentially involves fasting for 16 hours. So usually that's overnight and then into the morning. So you're skipping breakfast, sort of fasting into that mid-morning and then eating during an eight-hour window. So for a lot of people, this might sort of be starting at 11 and finishing eating at 7 p.m. So 11 a.m. and finishing at 7 p.m. Some people do like 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. It sort of just depends, but it's usually that fasting for 16 hours and then eating in an eight-hour window. And you're still having two meals, so lunch and dinner in that window and and usually a snack as well. Yeah. So just cutting out one full meal. Yeah. Um, And then another really well-known sort of type of fasting is the 5-2 fasting method, which involves eating your normal diet for five days a week and then fasting for two days or eating minimal calories on these two days. And I sort of feel the 5-2 diet is what led fasting to become so popular. It's, you know, I I don't even know, five sort of five or 10 years ago when fasting really gained momentum, it was a 5-2. That that was sort of the first one that people tried. And now it feels like more people have moved towards that 16-8 method, which is is interesting. Yeah, for a lot of people, it feels like the 16-8 is potentially more achievable Mm. than doing two full days a week, like really restricted. Mm. But I think what's really exciting is newer research is actually more so focused on what we call time-restricted eating. So it is another type of fasting where essentially it looks to reduce the amount of hours that are spent eating throughout the day, but it doesn't cut any full meal. So you still have three meals a day and snacks, but instead of eating over a 14-hour window, which is really common, when I look at clients' food diaries, it's very common that someone has, you know, breakfast at 7 a.m., but they're still eating at 9 p.m. at night or later, 10, 11. And so that eating window is 12, 13, 14 hours, which is a very long period to be constantly eating, which means our blood sugar levels are constantly going up and down. So what time-restricted eating looks at doing is saying, well, could we just narrow that window, bring it down to within ideally 10 hours is what a lot of the research is pointing um, at. So trying to, you know, again, if you have breakfast at 8 a.m., then stop eating, have dinner at 6 p.m. and nothing after that. Or maybe move breakfast a bit later to, you know, 9, 10 a.m., whatever. And this is where it depends what works for your lifestyle, but just eating within that 10-hour window. And I think what that can do is it means that there's a cutoff where, you know, after 8 p.m. you're not eating and it just, you're not even then deciding what to have for dessert, you know, you're just not eating after that. So I know for a lot of my clients that actually works really well. Yeah. I think it's really achievable and mentally you just know, okay, I've got this many hours where I'm eating and it does provide that cutoff point. And we did talk about this in the first episode of this season where we were talking about trends. It's definitely something we think is going to get even bigger this year, the whole concept of time-restricted eating. And we were talking about some of that research that came out around the time-restricted eating combined with HIIT training and how that has really good benefits in terms of people wanting to lose weight. And actually after that episode, I had a few of my regular clients that I see on a regular basis and, you know, they were very interested in that and asking more, you know, and so we're trialing a bit of time-restricted eating yeah. in their Because I think it's achievable yeah. for people yeah. and that's what I really mm-hmm. like about it. It's achievable and it's just, you know, narrowing that eating window, but you still got the three full meals a day. Um, so and it's, it gives it your whole exciting. like digestive system a bit of a break. You yeah. Know? Like you just have an extended yeah. overnight fast yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the one meal a day, 
Yeah. And this is really interesting and it, you know, kind of last year it was sort of, you know, a few celebrities. I think it was like Bruce Springsteen and Chris Martin from Coldplay. It was in the news because they were really taking fasting to the extreme and they were doing the OMAD diet, which essentially is an acronym for one meal a day. Um, now, this sort of thing is definitely not something we, we would recommend. You know, being able to get all the nutrients you need in one meal a day is just, you know, going to be virtually impossible. It's not going to be something that's sustainable. How do you even fit that in and live a normal lifestyle? I don't know. Energy uh, levels, yeah. how do you exercise? Yeah. It's going to impact your sleep. Mm. And any diet that you need to take a whole host of supplements yeah. in order to reach your requirements, there's big red flags there. You know, you yeah. shouldn't have to do that. Or if you're having one meal a day, but that meal is, you know, the equivalent of three meals, that's also potentially not very great on your blood sugar response. You yeah, know, you might huge get huge portions. spikes yeah. there as well. So, um, yeah, no, we'd definitely stay away from that one. Um, and then we have the 24-hour fast, which, as I said, is one that, you know, you may have grown up with people doing, um, raising money or, you know, for whatever reason, maybe religious reasons. And that's essentially where you don't eat or drink anything containing calories for 24 hours. And these are obviously very short term, you know, you don't see people doing this like on a regular basis, mm. but obviously if it's for religious reasons or, you know, for charity, there might be occasional and, you know, there's other benefits. So, and people will yeah. tout, you know, for energy reasons yeah. they do. And some people might even extend that to 90 hours. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's a less common one these days. As you said, it's not, it's very difficult to maintain. So it's not very achievable and it's a very short term approach. Yeah. All right. So I think probably... A question that a lot of listeners are wondering and they want to know is, do these fasting diets, do they help with weight loss? Well, the short answer is yes. If you are overweight, fasting can be an effective weight loss method, dot, 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 (laughs) if you stick to it. But what I find really interesting about fasting, and it's obviously really popular and it seems like, you know, this magic solution to weight loss, looking at the research, Intermittent fasting diets do not appear to be any more effective at weight loss than any calorie reduced diet. Yeah. So essentially like when when they've compared intermittent fasting diets with just your regular calorie counting or just people, low carb yeah, or whatever other maintaining diets. Maintaining some yeah. sort of calorie deficit, people tend to lose weight at the same rate. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. So yes, it is a method that might work for some people, but not necessarily for everyone. I think for some people, it's easier to be in a calorie deficit when you just skip a whole meal than when you have to consciously reduce the amount of calories at every meal. So for some people, fasting is an easier or more achievable approach for their lifestyle. And that's where they might have a greater effect. But on a whole, when we look at the average, any diet that reduces calories is going to help you lose weight. Yeah. And I guess it's like, what's going to be sustainable for you? Like if the the way that you're fasting, if that's sustainable, then that might be okay. But if it's not sustainable and you'd be better off just, you know, reducing your calorie intake, then you've got to think about it like that. Um, I definitely think it kind of leans into that whole all or nothing mentality. And we see a lot of clients that, you know, they've, they've yo-yo dieted for years and they're either like they're on a diet or they're just anything goes. And so potentially they find fasting a little bit more doable in that sense in that they just cut out their food before 11 rather than having a small portion of breakfast. But how that goes in terms of being sustainable and changing your behaviors around food in the long term is questionable. questionable. And I think Mm -hmm. just to make that really clear is the reason people might lose Mm -hmm. weight when you follow an intermittent fasting diet, it has less to do with the body, you know, using fat for energy or 
you know, influencing insulin levels or changing metabolism, all these reasons that you may have heard. And it more comes down to the fact that you're skipping a meal. You're eating Mm. less, so you're losing weight. There's nothing hugely complex necessarily or mysterious going on other than, you know, you're eating less and we would then expect you to lose weight. And I think another reason why people are drawn to these fasting diets is because they can, they might see results quicker trialing like a fasting diet. They may lose weight more quickly and often people like that. It's rewarding. Um, But the issue is that if you are losing weight quite quickly, it can often mean that you're losing muscle and water rather than fat, which is ideally what we want if, if our goal is to lose weight. And therefore your body sort of starting, it starts to slow down. It needs less calories to function. So then when you start eating normally again, the extra calories then get stored as fat. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle and it's just something to be mindful of. And that's where we're always like, you know, it's better to lose weight slowly to be able to keep it off than, you know, losing it really quickly. And then, you know, it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. So overall, the research does support intermittent fasting diets for weight loss, at least in the short term. The longer term studies, there aren't a lot of them and they're a little bit more iffy. Um, But, you know, we often read about fasting diets promising a whole range of other health benefits aside from weight loss, you know, whether it's to do with blood pressure or reducing chronic disease risk or insulin response or energy. Um, And we just want to kind of touch on where the research is at with this. So most of the research that supports these sort of other benefits, and I'm just going to kind of, you know, bundle them all together, those other benefits, most of them are from animal studies. And while studies done in mice and rats are really interesting and they absolutely provide us with really valuable insights, they don't directly translate to human studies. So just because we find that, you know, in, in mice, they might live longer if they follow an intermittent fasting diet or, you know, their insulin responses improve, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to see that in humans. More testing is needed. And at this stage, we just don't really have the long-term studies in humans that and, and really reliable studies, like you, looking at large population groups to be able to support these claims fully. Yeah. And that's really important to remember because sometimes you can read about these amazing benefits and it's really easy. You're like, oh, I want to do that, jump on the bad wagon. But whether or not you're actually going to get those benefits is yeah. know, sort of too early to tell. And, and the research is a bit mixed. There have been some human studies that do show that, you know, that, that have shown that, yes, there might be some of these benefits, but we need to do ongoing study. And, and there have been others that have shown that not in humans those studies in mice don't translate. Um, But if there are those benefits, it's likely due to the fact that you've lost weight. You know, if you lose weight, then hopefully you see improvements in your insulin response. Well, that's what's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and if, you know, if they're showing benefits of reducing inflammation, is that just due to the weight loss or not? Um, Or other ways that fasting, you know, are at play? the chicken or the egg? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Um, Uh, And the other interesting thing to point out is that New research shows that different forms of fasting aren't necessarily equal. So the 5-2 compared to the 16-8 compared to time-restricting eating, they don't just all have the exact same benefits. Um, some are likely to be better for the body or you know, for us in, in reaching our goals than others. And that comes down to that sort of the body's natural circadian rhythm. So, you know, and that's particularly where that time-restricted eating that we speak about that has really come to the forefront in terms of research and the benefits it might have on on weight loss and potentially other health markers. Okay. So who might fasting be suitable for? If you're someone that is overweight or obese and you are looking to lose weight, then intermittent fasting could be a great option for you. 
but we would always recommend that you're speaking with a dietitian to make sure that you are going to be doing it in a way that is going to work for you um, and that, you know, it's really tailored to your needs. I also think if you are someone that's, you know, dieted in the past and you still need to lose weight, you haven't had much success with other diets, you find them hard to stick to, then as we've kind of discussed earlier in this episode, intermittent fasting for a lot of people can be a bit easier to incorporate. So that could be good for you. Um, Also people who don't exercise in the morning, because often if you're having to skip that early meal after a workout, that's really hard and not something you'd recommend. And also just if you're not necessary. So if you want to lose weight and you don't exercise in the morning and you're not hungry in the morning. So skipping that early, that first meal can be a little bit easier for those people. Yeah. And I also think in terms of time restricted eating, if you're someone that finds that you just mindlessly snack constantly in the evening, then time restricted eating could be good for you because it provides, again, that cutoff point to to stop eating. And helps people tune back into the hunger fullness signals. You know, a lot of people sort of find that they don't get strong hunger signals throughout the day or fullness. So sometimes following a time restricted diet might help those. But I think we just want to caveat by saying it's not a suitable diet for most people, Um, but there are some individuals who it works well for. And you really need to consider whether it's a long-term approach for you because there's no point doing it for three weeks or four weeks. So people that we wouldn't recommend intermittent fasting for, anyone with a history of disordered eating or an eating disorder, it's not going to be suitable for anyone who likes to eat every few hours. So probably for Anna and I, (laughs) we like to have our snacks and our regular meals. If you have any specific conditions that require food at regular intervals due to medications, or if you have medications that you need to take with food, like um, people with diabetes, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're someone, you know, to the point before, if you exercise in the morning, then we're probably not going to recommend that you then don't eat for hours after that exercise. So it potentially isn't suitable for you because it's going to be counterproductive when it comes to, you know, muscle recovery. For children, adolescents, obviously, for anyone that is pregnant or breastfeeding. And just remembering like if your goal is to put on weight or build muscle or anything like that, then fasting diets actually often end up being lower in protein. You can follow a high protein intermittent fasting diet, but it's more challenging and you're often going to need supplements in there. Yeah. And we've spoken a lot in the previous episodes about the importance of, you know, regular protein intake throughout the day. And obviously fasting is going to send that out the window. (laughs) So I guess that leads us to the end, to fast or not to fast. (laughs) And I think it would be naive of us to expect a clear cut consensus here because it's such a complex radical concept really. And the bottom line is that fasting might be effective for some people, but for others, it's not going to be a healthy choice. Yeah. And fasting, it it could be a really good option for someone that needs to lose weight or, um, you know, for someone who's obese and they're finding it hard to stick to other forms of, of dieting. But as we've mentioned, there can be downsides to fasting. So, you know, it could contribute to extreme hunger, headaches, Um, you know, drops in blood sugar levels. So you've got to really be mindful. And that's why we would recommend, you know, speaking to your doctor about it to figure out whether it's going to be right for you and working with a dietitian. And what's really interesting when we look at, and we, we kind of spoke about the blue zones in our previous episode, but when we look at the blue zones around the world, so the areas in the world where we have the most people living to 100, in terms of longevity, the records show that these people don't actually fast. So the focus is much more on the quality of food, Yes, the quantity, so not overdoing it, you know, their daily lifestyle, but they don't necessarily follow intermittent fasting habits. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, these guys are Bible. We should be listening to them. They're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I would say overall, when it comes to my clients, I'm much more keen on 
time-restricted eating. So looking at that 10-hour window, so reducing the amount of time you're eating throughout the day rather than skipping meals. I do have clients that skip meals and it works for them. So, you know, again, nutrition is complex. There's no one diet fits all. We all know that. But yeah, I think time-restricted eating is the area that I'm really interested in following and seeing what happens. Yeah. And I'm just really conscious. I also have a lot of clients that don't have great relationships with food. They've grown up with a history of dieting. And I just want to stress that it's not going to be for everyone. It's not something we recommend to everyone. Neither of us um, practice fasting in our lifestyles, but we just wanted to share this episode because we do get lots of questions and we think that it's important. I mean, the research is ever evolving and we're going to be continuing to stay up to date with it, but we just want to be, you know, share um, transparent with you guys and be sharing what we do know about it. Perfect. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. We really hope you've enjoyed this one. We do take requests. So if there's something you want to hear more about, send us an email, contact us via Instagram and, you know, never know, it might be the next episode. And this episode was proudly brought to you by our cookbook. It's literally our go-to bunch of recipes that we both use on a weekly basis. So if you want to check that out, head to our website. It's available in both hard copy and digital. And there's a link in the episode notes to our shop page to make it super easy for you guys. Alrighty. We will be back next week. Bye. Bye.